Great outcomes are a result of many. Self-made is the biggest bull in the history of the world. Because it takes a village to raise a kid, it takes a village to raise a company, it takes a village, like, you learn from other people. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. Today, we have none other than the man Lloyd. Lloyd, will you tell us who you are? And what you do? Awesome. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of a company called Boast AI, co-founded and helped bootstrap Boast AI to eight figures in revenue and ARR. Boast is a fintech platform that provides businesses with R&D and innovation funding. Um, you know, globally, there's hundreds of billions of dollars in funding from the government to support businesses, but it's a cumbersome application right. process. It's prone to frustrating audits and receiving the money takes a long time. So we sought out to automate that process and route to automating that process, we saw a great success ratio, right? So the process wasn't cumbersome anymore. The audits went yeah. down, but still it took a long time to get the money. So then we said, hey, we know these claims are going to be successful. So why wait for them to apply it for the government right. and, and wait for government processing times? Give them the money now. So we help companies claim, defend, and fund their research and development tax claims, basically R&D funding platform. And then, and- Holy cow. So how risky is that? I mean, that sounds kind of freaky to me. No, it's not risky actually, like 95% plus success rate across thousands of customers. We've helped thousands of customers get wow. hundreds of millions in funding since we founded. And uh, you know, some of the wow. fastest growing companies use Boast to fund their R&D. If you look at it, right, the parallel is MRR financing, you know, SaaS financing, where you have a certain monthly recurring revenue and you look at the business's right. financial health and then you lend them that money, X yeah. times MRR. It's the same thing. We look at a company's financial R&D health, right? So we're looking into their yeah. R&D systems and seeing how much they're spending on R&D and if it qualifies for any government funding and then we front load them the cash and eventually we help them also apply and make sure it's received back from the government so it's same thing and then now the future is because we that's crazy we tie this very unique data set right so nobody ties r d data to financial data so we're collecting your research and development your tech data your product development data from your jira your github right. and then your financial data from your bookkeeping, your accounting, your banking, your payroll systems. Most cases, right. R&D has been a black box historically, right? R&D does something, but we don't know what it does, right? <laughs> right. And so we're trying to bring more right, visibility right. to that. And, and, and so as a function of building a platform that helps companies get money for their research and development, we collected all this data. Yeah. And so the next phase is now giving them analytics on how to accelerate innovation, right? Ultimately, why do you want money for R&D? to accelerate innovation, to grow your right. business, right? In the last 15 years, more than four, five, more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies have evaporated because they, they don't innovate, right? And so we're saying, hey, we have all your data. Right. We tie the technical to the financial. Now let us give you insights on how to innovate faster, what projects you should invest in, who you should hire, what's working, what's what not, like AI-driven engineering cool. productivity. So that's... Uh, that's the story of that's amazing. That's the story of Boast. Now, en route to building Boast, we bootstrapped. My co-founder and I started the company out of his spare bedroom in his apartment, and nobody would talk to us. Right? This yeah. was an industry where, dude, yeah. if somebody has to give you their R and D data, that's that's huge trust to put in two guys in, in an apartment. 
And and so, you know, sure. as as founders, bootstrap founders, we're like, hey, the only thing we have is a network. I had worked for a number of uh, venture back startups prior. So we started hosting meetups right. to scratch our own itch. I'm like, you know, what's the best thing? What will happen is we'll gain knowledge. We'll meet a bunch of other founders right. and we'll build a community around right. it, hopefully. And, and we'll we'll get social proof. So we'll be able to sell. The first meetup we did, sure. like 10 people showed up, then 20 people showed up and, and more and more people started showing up to these meetups because it was all yeah. it was all tactical advice. It was a time where podcasts wasn't a thing um, like, you know, right. YouTube wasn't a significant thing. People would meet in person and we would share very tactical behind the scenes, like how to go from A to B. One day, 200 people yeah. showed up at the co-working space and they're like, guys, this is a conference. It's not a meet up at a co-working <laughs> space. So get out of here. So, so that, that evolved into an actual conference, uh, which is called Traction today. It's grown into a community. And that first conference we had, you know, Twilio CEO, Postmate CEO, Marketo CEO, wow. Neil Patel, who, who everyone knows from the marketing uh, space. So we had sure. who's who. And, and what had happened was, you know, after that. How? How did you do that? That's amazing. It's, it's cold, cold emailing, cold emailing, cold calling, right? <laughs> Are you serious? So, so what happened was when, no when we pivoted from that 200 person in a co-working space is not a meetup, let's do a conference. So, so we're like, okay, maybe let's do a conference then. And we started cold emailing everyone, built a list of like the $200 billion companies. And back then, uh, yeah. that, back then there weren't many unicorns. So like $200 billion companies right. is a stretch. It was like, it was maybe like 50 and then it was some public companies and yeah. then it was some hyper growth companies. So we got to like 200 names and not just the CEO, but CMO, right. CTO. So we got 200 names, started cold emailing them. And, you know, everyone's like, who are you guys? Like, whatever. I'm not going to come to a conference, right, from somebody I don't know. But what happened was a few people expressed interest. They're like, you know what? I might be interested, right? This sounds interesting. So I take the names of everyone yeah. who expressed interest and then email the rest of them, right? Yeah. Saying these guys are interested. And it was Marketo CEO, Phil, who confirmed. I think what he saw all those interests as confirmations. Maybe, you know, people just look on their phone. And he's like, done, I'm in. Here's my PR guy, talking PR guy. So then I used his name and reached out to everyone else who expressed interest and it felt like a pack of dominoes. And this is so funny. So eventually we end up like in a couple of weeks confirming like 30 speakers for a one day conference. That's insane, right? No way. Like th no 30 way. plus, right? And we didn't have a venue. So over the weekend, I used Squarespace to build a website. Oh over the weekend, I used like, this is how bootstrap yeah. is, no budget. So use Squarespace to build a website, use Eventbrite, put, put yeah. the ticketing widget. We had a you know, a few thousand maybe email subscribers, sure. um, sent an e-blast and we sold 50,000 in tickets because like, dude, like you got Marketo CEO, you got Hootsuite CEO, you got Postmates, you got all these <laughs> names. Plus growth hacking as a term was huge back then. And we got all the top, top, right, top right. growth hackers like from Dropbox and, and uh, LinkedIn, Arthur Fawan was the head of growth That's at LinkedIn. So awesome. All these guys like confirmed. So, so like yeah. people like just started buying tickets. So I think it was like the exact number was after the weekend push, we sold from the first email $56,000 in ticket sales. And my co-founders are like, oh guys, we have, we have a problem. We need to get the venue. The event is two months away. And obviously we can't, uh, we can't, we can't get a hotel or anything confirmed. So we find this giant EDM hall, okay? Uh, where where yeah. like concert, EDM concerts are held. 
there's no monitor screen or anything there. They got this big giant mo- screens. Have you seen all pixelated where they where they play like you know the beats go up and down? Right. So we're like, okay, at least there's a screen right, and all right, of right. this stuff. There was a stripper pole that we had to hide, but it but it looked really cool. <laughs> and the place maybe accommodated 300 people seated, and there were like yeah. 600, five 600 people showed up. So it was like standing room. It just looked more packed. Oh my god! One more thing, it hack is like if you want to look popular as a speaker, yeah. find a smaller room because <laughs> it looks packed. It looks packed. But, right. but there were like five, 600 people for a 300 seating. And, and so we confirmed way more speakers. So I'm like, you know what? What are we going to do, right? Uh, the best, the yeah. best way now is to ask speakers to do like max 15-minute talks. No rambling, nothing. Right. Like basically... Right. Key takeaways. Just get to get it. Get right to it. Yeah, yeah. Get and to this it. was an age where people yeah. were like doing these rambling talks and everything, you know, panels. Oh, totally. No panels, none of that. Like, and this is my history. This is how cool I am. Yeah. And Even yeah. if it was a panel, it was like a 15, 20 minute, like just get to it, get to it, get to it. Right. But we're like, you right. know what? We right. can ask them to get to it, but how are we going to keep them to time? So we had the idea that let's yeah. put a smoke machine behind stage, backstage, like, you know, um, like like behind the curtains, and every time it hits the yeah. 15 mark, let's hit the smoke machine. You know, it makes this sound, boof, right? So the speaker the speaker gets startled and 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 backs like steps back. We had the front row of volunteers to start clapping when they pause, so the whole audience claps and they get walked off the stage. So that 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 happened, right? Um, all the way till oh all the way till the end. Now six o'clock rolls around and we had the final speaker. Imagine going from nine to six, like you know. Um, yeah. It was TechCrunch interviewing um, this founder, Frederick from TechCrunch. He's been coming since like you know our our, our events in a nightclub, and uh, he goes on stage. Awesome. He's doing this fireside chat. Within a minute or two, you can hear in the conference video recording. Hey, why is Lloyd releasing the smoke? We just went on stage, and what happened was. The smoke machine ran out of water and the drapes caught on fire. <laughs> and so my co-founder is going and throwing water at it. And that's how that's how bootstrapped it, it was, right? So that is that is the memory. I love it. That is the memory. Now it's evolved. Now it. it's evolved. Like now we're up like close. The last email I sent was 140,000 subscribers. We do like podcasts every other week, YouTube's one or two times a week more posh events, uh, that sort of thing, retreats. So yeah. So you use traction though. You use this event, you use this whole thing to drive traffic to- Boast. To boast, yeah. right? How, how did, okay, so you just use all that to drive traffic into that, into that organization. The way I look at it, right, is, you know, if you look at some of the biggest brands, right, like HubSpot. Yeah. HubSpot, when yeah. they started, like I'm an engineer, man. Everything I learned about marketing right. was from HubSpot. When I, my first job was in cold yeah. calling and then I worked at another startup in product and they're like, listen, we're, we're 15 people and you got to do everything, build the website and everything like, you know, you got to stretch. Right. So I'm like, okay, how do I find new ways in an age where everything is sales and everything is uh, physical media? So I started hearing about this thing called SEO right. and all the content was HubSpot. So I did their inbound marketing certification, joined their inbound marketing community. Right. They didn't even have software then. And then they came out and said, hey, we're the inbound marketing automation tool. And if you want, you can use HubSpot. And I realized like, 
you know, when you don't have product market fit in the early days, you're trying to understand customers, yeah. you're trying to get feedback, you're trying to build cloud, right? Like, sure. like the, the progression of a business is visibility, you're visible, you get seen a lot, you build some credibility, and then you make right. money. So visibility, credibility, profitability. So we're like, you know, right, if right. we build a community around R&D task credits, they're just, we're just going to be seen as salespeople. But ultimately, government funding and R&D task credits is just a mean to, means to fund businesses. And it's a great mean because, sure. because you don't dilute yourself. When you raise venture capital, you dilute yourself. Now, the VCs have made themselves right. cool by sharing all this startup growth knowledge, right? So I'm like, we can do the same. Right. And we don't have to call it the boast community. We'll call it traction. So we call it traction. And the social proof of all these big brand CEOs coming to a conference by like a couple, right. by a small startup run by two people gave us immense social proof. I call right. it the brand rub. Always look for a brand rub right. and then level up to the next one. Use the brand rub to get to this level, it. then find another one and, and keep leveling up. So that was the story. That's how we, that's it. how we bootstrap to, to eight figures in revenue. And, and it's the community, it's the it. community that keeps giving. So through this community, one of the events we did was a growth equity firm that attended and they reached out saying, Hey, you run this conference. Would you be interested in being a venture partner? And I'm like, listen, I got a business to run. <laughs> I can't pass your deal flow in exchange right. for carry. Then they're like, and, and we're bootstrapped anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and then they're, they're like, <laughs> what is, what is that business? And, and we're, I, I tell them what the business is. We had a conversation and their mind was blown. They're like, what? You're selling a hundred dollar bills for $20. <laughs> like basically giving people cash and taking, taking a cut. They're like, this is great. And not diluting. Right. So we had a few conversations right. uh, and like, you know, with, with me and my co-founder Alex and, Basically, Alex was anti-VC. He's like, dude, we shouldn't raise money. We've, we've spent yeah. a lot of time. And plus, he'd seen me be at... We don't even want to talk to these guys, yeah, right? We, we'd, we'd been through... Um, you know, I had only worked at venture-backed startups all my life, and nothing, none of them hit. They were all, like, either failures or... So, there was just tells you, right? Yeah. Like, 99% fail. Failures or, like, a a acquisitions where nobody but the VC made money. So, so the deal was, hey, man, right, right, luckily right. these guys were a growth equity firm. And what growth equity is, is, a, is sort of an yeah. in-between of a venture capital fund, a private equity firm. They'll liquidate the founders. Yeah. So the founders uh, stay motivated and play, can play the long game. Sure. And then they'll keep sure. you running the company. So they're, they're like that. They can buy a, a significant stake in your company, but still keep you running it. So that was, that was good. That's how, that's how that came about, right? I, I moved to Dubai last year, almost everyone I know in this community is through the traction community. So the way I look at it, community is something awesome. that keeps giving. And it's part of my ethos. I, you know, I, I was born in Kuwait totally. and I was a refugee of the Gulf War. And when that happened, wow. there were no cell phones, nothing, there was no internet, right? right in the nine, 1991 right. or whatever. And the community, every yeah. apartment building sort of became a sub-community. What is a community? Somebody comes down and says, hey, I have this problem. Looks yeah. around. They're like, yeah, we have a pro similar problem. Let's do something about it. You come together yeah. to create impact. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and so every building became this sub-community. People would take turns guarding somebody who had access to food and water would organize that. Then they would communicate, walk over to the next building, communicate and organize. And the, the whole community came together to evacuate the country. So that was my first, wow. first experience with community. The second experience was, was wow. with building traction and paying it forward. Internally helped both bootstrap to over eight figures, help us you know, yeah, sell half the company, 
and 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 right. become rich as, as founders. And the third thing was, <laughs> after I left the day to day of Boast, I ended up very depressed. Like yeah. you know, it's like your baby, right? Ultimately, I think yeah. I think you know, yeah. it's hard for most founders to practice detachment. But you know, all of our sure. all of our troubles are not especially. I say, especially as a bootstrapper. I mean, bootstrapping is a very, very emotionally connected thing because you're you're literally offering up your family, your time, your everything you've got into this thing. So, so I think there's a, an extra special connection there for bootstrappers. Exactly. You know, every time my wife was in labor, I wasn't home, and I had to fly back. So, so was there was that. Uh, oh, the, my wife's a physician. The last ten years of of running the business. A couple, couple of businesses that failed, and then this one did well. She ran the family, she ran yeah. her, she did her job, and she managed yeah. the kids and, and, and everything. I had only one job was to do a successful business. So I mean, like even the broken clock is right twice a day, right? After one failed, the second <laughs> failed. We try, we we in in between we're like in between we're like we'll take the traction knowledge and do an events company. Uh, a, a third right. a third uh, partner in that events company ran off with a quarter million in profits, and I'm like oh, I, I, I I can't I can't catch a break. And then eventually boast hit. But what I was saying is I had only one job to build a successful business. She ran the family. She paid the bills. She looked after the kids. Yeah. She, she did her job, right? Yeah. So, you know, women are, are that much more stronger and more, more resilient. Agreed. I, I, I feel. Agreed. Had this conversation with my wife this weekend. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. So, so after I left the day-to-day, -day, I was so emotionally attached because, you know, I put a lot of the family. Like I felt like looking back, I, you know, sacrificed sure. everything. And this company had become my identity, being on podcasts. You know, when you're the face of the right. company, you're on stage a lot, right? And now I lose this. I yeah. lose the community. I build the connection. So I ended up yeah. very depressed, fat, drunk, overweight, had come into a bit of money. So I called my friends and be like, oh, let's go here. Let's go there. And, and then one day my wife yeah. comes to me and she's like, look at you, right? Like, she's like, I understood for like eight, nine months while you were going through this. But she's like, if you kill yeah. yourself we're going to be the only ones crying. Nobody else is going to remember. Right. And, and right. Uh, you know, something, a light bulb hit in my head. And I'm like, Man. That's powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm like, I got three kids here. And, you know, one's, she was eight at the time. One's four, uh, three and, at the time. And the other one was, you know, just born. So I'm like, what am I doing yeah. here? What am I doing? Because she's like, the glass is half full. You know, you're moping for not being in the company's day to day while you're still on the board, while you cashed out a bit right. and, and you can go anywhere. So, you yeah. know, it was, I think middle of the night, I look at the corner of the room and I see this Peloton bike, right? The exercise bike, the Peloton. And it's like been turned into this clothing rack for the last couple of years. <laughs> so I take off like the, most. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like most people's bikes, right? I take off the clothing, I switch it on right. and I like log in, Right, doing the two-factor authentication. Set get up in. the user. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot my password. I hop on, and I'm. I saw this instructor, Robin Arzon was her name, and she was coming off maternity, and um, yeah. like suffering through these postpartum lows. And she said, "Self-pity is toxic. Sure. I can't write as much, but like it starts with one, one crank, one shift, one right around the block. I am, I can, and the eye of the tiger was playing in the background." So I started cycling <laughs> and, you know, I, I felt an in, instant connection to her and the other riders. Of course, I'm right. autonomous because I'm in charge of my own destiny. 
as as one right. ride turned into two, three, four, um, I was getting uh, like mastery over the bike, right? Um, there's sure. a great sense of sure. purpose, like, you know, the best way to uh, create impact in the world is by focusing on my own health, uh, right? Um, right. Is is right. Uh, is wearing your oxygen mask first. I was energized, of course, this instructor, the music, and then there was constant recognition. Right. Every ride you complete, every streak you do, there's rewards and high fives and all of that. And through that, I came up with the, sure. w- with uh, with this understanding that hey, camper, right? Uh, connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, recognition is what drives people. But but that third thing was like, hey, the communities rescued me from the war. The community help right. me build a successful company and, and get to where I am. And when I was depressed and, you know, they just hit rock bottom and face planted, the community yeah. saved me again. And so right. I, I said, you know, I'm going to go on this journey and fix my health. But as a give back to the community, I'm going to write a book yeah. on how to build and scale uh, communities, leveraging all these stories. And so in the last little while, I've been working on a book Love called it. From Grassroots to Greatness, 12, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. I love it. I love it. And how do you, how do you feel like, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate for community because I do feel like no matter what, whether you're a refugee, whether you're in an exercise community, whether you're in a business community, like it, it is so hard to carry the burden of all that stuff by yourself. I mean, most people will never ride their, their bike in their room all by themselves for a very extended period of time. But when you're part of a community and you're accountable to somebody else, you do it, Right. Same thing with business communities, same thing with your with your traction community. I mean, how do you see the benefit of people who are not part of a community in joining one? You know, great outcomes are a result of many. It always takes a village. Right. Right. I think self-made is the biggest bullshit in the history of the world. Right. Like people will say that <laughs> because it takes a village right. to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise a company. It takes a village yeah. like you learn from other people. What community does, yeah. it expedites that learning and connection. Ultimately, you know, what they say is you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with, right? You're the sure. sum, sum sure. of your network is your net worth. It, there's a truth right. to that, right? Like you and me are visible totally examples, examples of this, right? Look at the PayPal mafia, right? They built like once PayPal right. was done, they built this community around um, execs and early employees, and that spun off so many other multi-billion-dollar businesses. Or where totally. Apple came from, the homebrew club, where they were all exhibiting, and it gave them early feedback on what products to build. Spun off like Apple right. and Microsoft and all these companies. So I think I think there's great right. value in meeting other people, where you can one bounce ideas off and val- get validation. Right. Two exchange thoughts and learn from one another. There's a saying, right? When one teaches to learn because you're reinforcing right. what you know, you're researching things that people may have questions on. So there's this learning supercharges, right? And then, then it's diversity of thought. If you want to be right all the time, hang out alone, right? But if you want right. to win a lot, you got to go with people. I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a program that we have assembled with a lot of our podcast guests and a lot of people who are listening to the show who are feeling the same way that they do. There's a recurring theme. You'll hear a lot of these founders talk about, I couldn't have done it without my team. I couldn't have done it without a a support group of peers. I couldn't have done it without having someone to talk to that understood my feeling of isolation 
as an operator of my business. You see, you're not alone. It is hard running a business, and it's even harder when you know you can't express all your deepest concerns and frustrations with your executive team. It makes them nervous. It gets them scared. You don't want scared people on your executive team. So where do you turn? The Captain's Council is where you turn. The Captain's Council it is an organization that we are put together with podcast guests, as well as people who are listening who are in the same boat. You see, peers are the only ones that can give you the type of empathy, the type of advice that only a founder or operator know and understand. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com. I know you're going to love what you see there. We have put together an organizational structure that has small group settings, a global community of founders and operators, as well as monthly and quarterly in-person events. You're going to love what you see there. I can't wait for you to check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode. Totally agree. Totally agree. I love it. I love it. Now, now, as you, I mean, I, I honestly have so many questions I want to ask you, but it, I, we do have limited time because I, I don't, I'm not Joe Rogan and I'm not going to have a three hour podcast today, but um, I would love, love to hear, you know, as you, as you started going down the journey of your top of funnel being podcasts and these events, things like that, and, and kind of funneling people into your, into your business. What, what model do you see? What do you see people making the biggest mistakes in, in their, I guess, exposure and building the exposure to their product and trying to get people aware, building that awareness on social media and, and other places? You know, a couple things. One is people, when they hear community, they think of it as yet another marketing channel like ads or SEO. Right. And they're like, oh, how right. long is it going to take me to generate sales? What platform should I sign people up? Uh, uh, what platform should I sign up for so I can dump people in? Community right. is not signing up for Facebook or Discord group or WhatsApp group or LinkedIn or whatever it is, and then dumping right. all your contacts in there and spamming them and hoping it works. If you want to generate quick sales in like months or weeks or whatever, do cold calling, maybe run ads, right? Community yeah. is a long game. In, yeah, to yeah, start yeah. with, if you are not inspired by giving people and, and this whole philosophy of the only way to create abundance in life is by helping others without expecting anything in return. The only way to create abundance in life is help others without expecting anything in return. If you don't believe in that innately, right. it's going to be very right. hard because you're going to look for an ROI from it, right? You're going to keep right. looking, looking right. on how to monetize it. You're going to, and then when you do that, I often say, when you focus on money, you make short-term decisions. When you focus on control, you destroy relationships. The only way to build something lasting is to focus on impact. Then you start forgetting the impact. Then you're like trying to control who the players is, control the message, totally. try to try to oversell. And that's hard, right? So I say like, you know, as a, as a bootstrap company, you obviously need a, a instant gratification channel, which is like usually sales, sure. right? Like pound the phones, sure, whatnot. Sure, sure. But then you also need a long-term brand builder and that is community because when you don't have any customers, you can leverage the community to give yeah. you feedback on what to build. You can leverage the community yeah. for support and connections and whatnot. So a lot of people, they, they don't play the long game. They look for look to community as something that they can just build in the, in a few weeks, dump contacts in and spam them on a Slack group and call it a day. It's not. Right. 
community is genuinely about bringing people together. So the framework is here, right? Like you pick a niche, like with anything. The first thing is alignment. Great communities, great cultures are built on alignment. Right. You got to figure out the purpose, why you exist, the vision, right. what the world will look like as a function of you existing, the mission, how you yeah. do it, and the values, how you behave. And that is important because usually with communities, it's just not you and your employees. Totally it agree. ends up becoming volunteers and everyone else. Once you have that and you're aligned around it with like the early nucleus, the core founders and a couple other people, you got to figure out sure. your ICP. Like who is this ideal yeah. person? Where do they live? Where do they eat, breathe, drink, sleep? What are their pains? What are their aspirations? Right. You figure that out. Then the third step yeah. is then once then the third step is figuring out what type of community you want to build. There are three kinds of communities. Community of practice right. where, where you, it's focused on learning together, like a HubSpot or Gainsight. Make people better customer success professionals. Make pe people better marketers. Let's learn together. Usually when you have no product market fit and you are targeting a set of professionals to make them better, it's a community right. of practice, right? Around Center around learning right. together. The next one is a community of product where you're turning customers into evangelists. But if you don't have product market fit, sure. nobody's going to want to join that community. And then the third, exactly. the yeah. third kind of community is community of play, which is all about having a good time. So like whether it's your basketball club or your paddle club or what parties that Red sure. Bull throws, it's about that. Once you, once you have these th two things figured out, you know the pains of your ICP, you know where they hang out, what channels they live on, yeah. then you, you can create audience through content initially. So this is a framework. Like first you have an audience. Right. So you can create an audience by either curating content, meaning summarize and writing thoughtful content via videos, text. Right. right. Or you can be the expert in your niche. You can be an expert in your niche only if you are like, you know, say your niche is like maybe five figure revenue entrepreneurs and you're at eight figures, right. five or six. So you can help. <laughs> right. Them. But if you're not that, you can curate the content. So create the audience. Great way is. LinkedIn, great way is Instagram, yeah. right? Like start creating, creating an audience, but pick one right. channel and go deep. It's better to be an inch wide and a mile deep than totally. be, be everywhere and, and not be anything. You can create a newsletter to totally create, an, create an audience on Substack. Like we were, uh, you know, I may have like 15,000 followers on LinkedIn, 11 on yeah. 11, 11,000 on YouTube, but my email is 140,000 subscribers with like a near 40, 40, 40 plus percent open rate. So it's all email. Pick the so channel. email is not dead? Email is not dead, man. Like email, dude, if email <laughs> was dead, like Outreach and Gong and all these companies that are multi-billion dollar unicorns and Salesforce, they would right. stop They would stop existing. Email, Agreed. email Agreed. is the biggest where where people transact, like e-commerce. Like yeah. imagine the larger the purpose, you're, uh, larger the purchase, you are looking at an email, you're clicking to a website, you're analyzing it, and then you're buying it. Yep. And then eventually maybe in between you want to talk to a salesperson. If it's a small five, ten dollar, yep. maybe up to a hundred dollar purchase, you'll look at it on your phone, maybe, right? An SMS is fine. But the bigger yeah. the purchase, people yeah. analyze via email, and there's no two ways about it. Ninety percent. Like ninety yeah. ninety percent of the ticket sales for traction happens over email. Right? That's awesome. So so that just tells you. So so you pick a channel to engage with your audience, right? You have an audience basically. Once you bring yep. that audience together, you have a community. It's essential, yeah. right? And that that bringing people together could be in the start you could run like Zoom webinars maybe, like meetups. Totally. But there's no totally. substitute for in person because 
There's this theory that anytime you incorporate more than two senses, you start to build stronger connections. Now we're sound and sight. If we were in person, we'd likely be doing it in a studio over drinks. You know, there's taste, there's touch, there's sure. smell. And we're there for hours. Maybe we'll have dinner after. And then you build stronger connections. We're talking about kids and family where we, we get to know each other better. So the sooner you can do IRL meetups, I strongly believe in that. But yeah, but turn that whatever you do, pick one way to build an audience, add another way to turn that audience into community by building, bringing them together. Then when you have right. that, when that community comes together to create something, you have a movement. For example, yeah. like the open source communities that collaborate to build products, right? Like Basecamp, right. they created Ruby on Rails, right? They do a lot yeah. of open source, GitLab, um, Lego communities. Like when the community, CrossFit community, right? When communities come together sure. to build something, to create something, sure. it's a movement. And there's another phase to totally. this. When the movement has unwavering faith in its purpose, it becomes a religion or a cult. Look at everything, right? Like, uh, I, I don't want to get into religion right. or anything, but I'm Christian, so I'll, you know, uh, share the example of Jesus, right? Jesus had an audience initially, yeah. right? Then they came together to break bread and help people. It became a community. Then it turned into a movement at some point where, like, everyone started saying, hey, this is the word and we're going to further it. And, and they were coming right. together as a community. Um, it was a movement. And then from movement, it turned into a religion when, when that movement started having unwavering faith in that purpose. Now, I'm not right. super religious, but yes, I grew up Catholic, so I can give you that example. Right. But if you look at anything else, like Bitcoin, for example, right? Started as an audience, yeah, yeah. then a, the community, then people started collaborating on Bitcoin projects, and now it's, it's a cult, right? So is CrossFit. Totally. And so that is, totally. that is the journey. And whether you like the word or you hate it, cult, cult, religion, whether you like the word or you hate it, every obscure startup brand wants to go from audience to cult. That is everyone's secret <laughs> desire, right? Right, right. So, so, and, and, and so those are the tips, right? Like focus on one, understand your niche, start sharing unique content that's in the white space and build that audience. Once you have an audience building, start bringing them together for online AMAs, in-person meetups based on where they are, turn it into community. Then bring that community totally. to solve a greater problem or, or do stuff together and, and you have a movement. And then if you keep doing this with cadence and consistency, eventually you'll turn into, right. a, into a cult. But, but the, the reality is so many people just stop at like, I don't know, at, the, at, the, at 99, right? So many people they give up. an audience. Yeah. yeah, they stop at 99, right? Like stop at audience because they give up, right? And anything yeah. worth doing is a long slog. And just because somebody right. has a TikTok following and you can't doesn't mean you, you, need, you should stop because maybe your audience is engaging on newsletter. Like, you know, we, right. we tried everything, but we see the most engagement on newsletters. So I'm like, this is great. So, Crazy. but it, it takes a while. We do in-person events. They're always sold out like a month in advance. So you got to find your channel that'll work. Giving up yeah. is not an excuse because the thing is all success is doing one or two things consistently well over time. The compound interest and con right. consistency is what leads to overnight success. Yeah, I love hearing those stories of 14 years of effort turning into an overnight success, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's all the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, Lloyd, 
We could keep talking for hours, I think, on this topic. I, I am also equally passionate about building audience and building building traction through through building community. I think that building community around your business, around your offer, around how you like to help people is so, so valuable. I know that you are producing content all the time on social media, right? And um, I encourage everyone listening, if you want to know more about how to build this community, how to really dive deep into helping the people that your business is set out to help, you need to look into Lloyd's content. You need to really start following and understanding what he did to build his company and grow and scale on a bootstrap basis. You can do it. I mean, you really can. And you just need to listen to the advice given today's podcast, as well as what else he talks about on his own, uh, on his own um, podcast and where he's producing for YouTube and things like that. There are people out there who are living and breathing this and making it happen. So if you are looking for that next way to build your community around your brand, around where you, how you want to impact people, this is the episode. This is how you do it. This is, this is the starting point for you to turn your business into a cold, stale method of community into something that's more vibrant, connected, and, and emotionally passionate about what you do. I think, you know, just look at yourself, right? If you look at brands of the past, they were built on telling the world what they were. If you look at brands right. of the future right. today, right. some of the biggest brands, they're built on what the community says about them. The, the more expensive the product now, how easy 100%. it is to, to drop a WhatsApp message or a Slack message or, yeah. or just check with your community. I'm like, hey, what are you using? So brands of yesterday yeah. were built on what they told the world about themselves and brands of the future yeah. will be built on what the community says. Ultimately, yes, yesterday's innovation is always tomorrow's commodity. But if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. Love it. Love it. Know what you stand for. Build everything around that. And that's how this is going to happen for all of you. Lloyd, honestly, I, I love the conversation. I love where we've taken this. And uh, you know, we were a little bit unsure moving into it, how we wanted to attack this, but I really feel like this is so powerful for everyone trying to grow and scale a business. First of all, I, I mean, honestly, I think we could have spent a long time talking about what, what Boast actually did, because I have no idea what you, the, what you did even existed. And I've been building companies my whole life. And so this is that's a whole other conversation we should talk about at some point. But Lloyd, what advice do you give to the other brands who feel like maybe maybe building community isn't for them, but you and I both know that it is? How do you talk to them about that? You know, an easy conversation is this, right? Ultimately, yeah. the key metric for business success when it comes to customer acquisition is cost of customer acquisition. The lower it is, yeah. if, you can, if you can reduce your marginal customer acquisition cost to zero, you can acquire right. revenue. Revenue becomes immaterial because even a client for a dollar is less than a dollar, right? It's all profit. And, and so when right. you start having the conversation with how much are you spending to acquire each customer and how long yeah. do they stay with you, yeah. then, then it becomes a very easy conversation. Step back. The second thing is, when you look at people's channels, most people's channels, their, their marketing mix is a lot of ad spend. And if you look at yeah. the ad spend year over year ROI, it costs nearly twice as much to generate the same ROI 
from the same from the from the ad channels. And then it sure. and then and then the rubber starts to hit the road for them. And then you say, hey, you know what's happening in 2024 is Google's gonna do away with third-party cookies, third-party data. So you gotta own the audience. What is the status of your right. database and what is the relationship you have with your customers? And then right. they're like, right. huh, right. you know what? Everyone can I better get some emails. Every, everyone can copycat a blog post. They can copycat an ad copy, right? You, you, you can, like, let's say you're an e-commerce or whatever business right now with low code, no yeah. code. You can copycat any business. You can copycat their ads and their creative and, and you, can, you can run some marketing spend to it if you have money. Totally. What, what you can't totally. copycat is their relationships, right? And so yeah. the yeah. winning brands are the ones with relationships. Why do you think Nike continues to win? Why do you think like Apple, despite having probably a lagging feature set, to a point sure. point where their competitors talk about yeah. Apple's lagging features, but Apple never talks about any of that. Apple has a community, <laughs> right? It has a it has, it's, Apple it's is so a cult. True. Apple has a cult. So you want to focus on it that, is. and 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 then life becomes easy. It's hard, right? Yeah, it's hard to build relationships, yeah. but any like it's hard. It's hard enough building a relationship with your with your spouse. So imagine now building right. a relationship with so many people who are not as invested as your spouse in you to then get them invested, get, get them hooked, get them invested and get them keep coming back is hard, but anything worth doing totally. is difficult. And, and that's how you build a generational brand. Totally. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Love this. Love this content. Love where we went. Uh, Lloyd, thank you so much for, for joining me all the way from Dubai to do this interview. And uh, I appreciate you so much. Thanks, man. I wanted to do it before I head back to San Francisco because, like, I think the summer is going to be a whirlwind of, uh, like, you know, grand, <laughs> gra different grandparents and different siblings' homes <laughs> with the kids. Totally. Thank you. Totally. Awesome, man. Enjoy it, buddy. Thank, take care. We'll Love and later. peace. Yeah. Bye, Todd. What did you think of this man? Lloyd Lobo is a man to be reckoned with. He has got an influence that is powerful. He's been able to convert people that follow him into his programs like few others have been able to do on a corporate level. If you build, if you have built a business and you are not leveraging your influence amongst your marketplace on social media in any way, shape or form using modern technology, you are really, really missing the boat. The thing I love about Lloyd is he's not afraid to talk about how he did it, what he's done to do it, and the passion he has for his, his following and the people within his group is just evident all over in what he does. I love this interview and I hope you can implement parts and pieces of what he talked about. If you can, watch and rewatch and make sure you understand what he's talking about because it is valuable. His love for community and his building of community reminds me of our sponsor today, which is Captain's Council. Captain's Council is an organization for CEOs and founders who are in the process of growth and scaling. We're not looking for people in launch mode. We're looking for people that are beyond the launch. People that have questions that they are too afraid to get answered. Scaling, focusing, building the business from launch point and beyond. How do I get to that next level of growth? These are the types of questions that are asked inside of our community. Don't say you don't have time because I promise you, when will you ever get a chance to get 10 other founders on a call with you to discuss your problems and get feedback from people who are actively 
running businesses in today's environment? The answer is you will never get that opportunity. The Captain's Council is a place where you can do that, a place where you can get together with other founders and operators who are running businesses at the same time you are, facing the same challenges that you are. It is unlike no other networking group, unlike no other peer advisory board, this is the place where you get answers. This is the place where you get practical tips. And this is the place where you can help each other in a way that is going to provide huge, huge value throughout every month of the year. Check it out at captainscouncil.com. We look forward to catching you there or on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We'll catch you later.